Hey everyone, welcome to the Work Friends Podcast, where we bring meaningful conversations to you. I'm Ainsley Stanley, and I'm here with my co-host, work, and real friend, Jen Brubaker. Today on the podcast, we chat with Dr. Lori Gunther-Reeser, who is an author, speaker, stewardship coach, and my aunt. We're so excited to talk about generosity, where we see it in scripture, and how it is a spiritual practice, just like prayer. So take a walk in the sun, drink a dirty hippie, do whatever you need to do, and enjoy today's episode. Cool. Well, welcome, Aunt Lori. This is so exciting for me because I don't think we've had any relatives of either Ainsley or I on the podcast, but this is really exciting. And it's cool too, because as I've like done some research and whatever else, I've learned things about you that I didn't know before. So I'm really excited. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, it's going to be fun. Yeah. So we'll start off with some fun facts for people to kind of get to know you a little bit. Um, What is your ideal day? My husband makes me a coffee and it's sunny. So today we're batting 500 because I did get, in fact, uh, my husband did make me a coffee. It's raining, but, you know, you can't have everything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Um, If you could have dinner with three people, dead or alive, who would they be? The Apostle Paul, pop star Bono, and my grandmother. Now, not at the same time because I don't think that crowd would would work, but so it would have to be multiple (laughs) dinners. Yeah, fair enough. That was that's always my next question when people answer that. We had somebody, uh, yeah, give us a random, random assortment of people, like a dictator and the chef and a translator. I don't know, something like that. But anyways, <laughs> good answer. Um, what is your favorite beverage? Uh, a dirty hippie. It's a uh, chai latte made with oat milk with a shot of espresso. Nice. And when did you first hear about that? Because I remember when it was like the dirty hippie is like the ultimate hot beverage. Um, but yeah, is. where did you hear about that? Sitting in a <laughs> cafe is. in Tasmania waiting to tour a dairy farm with your dear parents. I never, yeah, wasn't I wasn't then. a coffee drinker until that point. And then we had, I thought I had to have what a dirty hippie was because it just sounded like it was me. <laughs> And I had it, and it was just like love at first sight, really, or love at first sip, I guess. (laughs) What a beautiful (laughs) moment. (laughs) Yeah, it really was. Yeah, you guys are the ones who've gotten me on um, Coffeecology. Is the Stair Climber uh, blend still your favorite go-to coffee? That is pretty good, but there's a couple of other ones. So we get this um, subscription to Fairtrade Coffee, and we've told them now that we like a medium roast and to just hit us with what is good at the moment. So, yeah, I'm expecting a delivery today. The postman or letter carrier is going to bring me a box <laughs> with three oh. medium roast coffees. It's a surprise and I'm just going to open it up and it's it's going to be glorious. Yeah, I think dad and I ordered some a couple months ago and I'm like, I think this is the sign that I'm a true adult now that I'm getting excited about a coffee delivery in the mail. (laughs) So cheers. Thanks for being the inspiration for that. (laughs) Um, Where's the best place that you've been to? (laughs) Oh, there's so many places. When when I saw that question on the list, I chose the Grand Canyon because it's just so glorious and there's so many layers to it. I feel like it's just God kind of pulling back the curtain a little bit just to say, hey, 
this is this is some of my work here. It's it's really cool. It's a really cool spot. I mean, there's there's so many great spots. I think it's it's not so much where we are, but having eyes to see what God has given us in that moment. That's really the thing. But I mean, still, there's spots where that's easier to do mm-hmm. than others. Well, aside from those fun facts, tell us about yourself and what life looks like for you. Well, I saw that. I thought, oh, would you really want to hear about Lori sitting typing email? But I'll tell you my favorite spot to be right now, <laughs> which is I'm writing a second book. I wrote a first book, and I think that's what we're going to talk about in a bit. But I'm writing a book about the man in Luke 11 who knocks on his neighbor's door at midnight looking for three loaves of bread. That story is been with me for years and so my favorite spot to write is I hop on the go train and I I walk up to the art gallery of Ontario and I sit in the members lounge which is a house from 1819 picture me sitting in a a room full of art with a crystal chandelier and I get there early and I get the best spot which is by the window so I can look out over Grange Park and see the CN Tower and that is my magic writing spot I have been going there and I it's just really good yeah uh, my brain knows that we have a job to do and I write and I and I make time to do that I book it off in my calendar and say nope we can't because otherwise I wouldn't do it right so that is that's kind of an anchor thing for me what a great office space <laughs> it really is it really is yeah I mean I have to answer a lot of questions about like do we serve tea and I have to say no sorry not anymore but you know <laughs> It's, it's still worth it. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's awesome. That's amazing. Well, I'm really excited to talk about generosity. And um, yeah, I think, please correct me if I'm wrong. I think you would say that it's a spiritual practice um, that I've never Absolutely. heard it framed like that, right? Like generosity mm. is something that you, um, you, you try to do be generous with your time, be generous with your money. But as far as it being a spiritual practice and sometimes a discipline um, is a bit of a reframing for me anyways, I've never heard it put in that, in that context. So we wanted to talk about this. We're just finishing a season on, um, we focused on eight spiritual practices. So this is kind of a bonus episode coming Mm. after that. So it fits in really, really well. Um, but and Excellent. you and I'm like, who would be good to talk about this? Aunt Lori. Um, <laughs> so I would just love to start off um, and hear pieces of your story. Like what have been some moments and experiences that God has used to shape you and your passion for generosity? Oh, how much time do we have? <laughs> so way back in the day when I was even younger than the two of you, um, I was a, a co-op student studying math, but I did um, one work term as a volunteer in Egypt with Mennonite Central Committee. And I learned so much and I received so much. And I tell the story in the in my book, but so some, a donor, and in, um, in, in my favorite translation of 2 Corinthians is God loves a hilarious giver. And I really like, and that's like, that's literally the Greek. And I'm getting... And it's some hilarious giver gave $1,000 to Conrad Grable College, which is where I was a student. And that was the travel subsidy for me to go to Egypt. That's what helped make that possible. Hmm. And that was, and so I was a recipient of generosity. And my husband and I have had the honor to, to pay that one back a few times now. Hmm. That's great. I mean, so that hilarious donor has translated into other hilarious gifts through time. I'm not going to know them all what they all are in this side of the grave, but that doesn't matter. 
And so I was able to go to Egypt and help in a school. And I was like the hospitality that I experienced and the people sharing their their food, but their warmth, their love with me was astonishing. It was literally a pivot point in my life where that's why I'm that's why I'm here, that's why I'm doing this work now, is because I realized, oh, actually all this these other things that I've been doing up until now. No, you know, so I I went back and I did one more work term as a computer programmer to try to make up for the lost money so I could pay tuition. And it was really quite a, <laughs> um, it was an error. Well, it wasn't an error because I learned from it. Um, I learned that that's not what I wanted to do. Mm. And so I... I mean, I'm saying this as an encouragement to you in your vocational path that sometimes you're going to say, oh, that was, <laughs> that was, I've learned something and that's, this is not what I want to do. So, um, so I had a friend who knew somebody who worked at World Vision and instead of taking the, the computer job, I mean, I, I was still working in computers, but I worked at World Vision in computers. And through that, I moved into marketing the the viewers on the people, the viewers on your podcast, the listeners on your podcast are not going to get the helpful hand gestures. But if they can just imagine a series of vocational hand gestures that are accompanying the little talk, that'd be great. So I, I moved into marketing and fundraising and I've been, and I've been doing that kind of work ever since. And it's been a bet. Um, so working for charities, working for churches, I've been a pastor. I went back to school a couple times, gone to school for a very long time. But the that the pivot point for me was really being in Egypt and being a receiver, being I hopefully being a generous receiver, and I, I'm mm. still trying to be a generous receiver and a generous and a generous giver as well. Mm. So that was a long answer to a short. No, it's kind of cool. It's neat to think about those moments. Jen probably has some too, because I feel like as people who fundraise um, for work, like you just, you learn different things. Like I can remember the very first person who ever said, I want to sponsor you. And it was before I ever sent out any letters. And I met a random guy on an airplane that worked for World Vision that was like, hey, let me sponsor you. And he still sponsors me like this is many years later because I was still in high school when that happened. Um, you know, you think about those moments and how they kind of like shift your your perspective on things to like mm-hmm. understand God and his generosity better. Yeah, yeah. And it's relational. It's And I think that because you raise your own support and there's, we could talk a long time about whether that's the <laughs> word that we want. Um, <laughs> mm. But you have the opportunity to create relationships and be in relationship with people. And that's a gift from God too. When It's like self-sufficiency is overrated. And I think generosity <laughs> helps us with that. Like if you think about generosity as being a spiritual discipline like prayer, and it is, like Jesus talks about prayer and giving and fasting together, those three things a lot. So if we think of it, generosity as being a relational thing like we'll say can I pray for you right and we'll also ask people to pray for us so we're not like it's a two-way thing right and generosity mm-hmm. is that too we will be receivers because we're all receivers of God's grace but will there'll be 
there'll be different times and different relationships and connections where we'll be both the givers and receivers. Because, you know, God gives us every good thing, and when we share that around, there's enough. Mm. And so that's that's kind of my shorthand for generosity. And another, there's so, like, the more I live into this and the more I pray about it and think about it, the more there's connections between generosity and prayer in particular. Like, we would mm. be members, many people that are listening to this of a church. So we would be, generosity would be a group project. And there's something super powerful in that. Like all together, we share our resources, what God has given us. And we are, I don't know, we're helping the women's center down the street, or we're building a school in Vietnam or whatever it is that we're doing, we're doing it together. And that's really powerful. And if you think about how we also pray together and the power in that, you see the connection? Like it's so generosity is really letting our money follow our prayers, which is really hmm. it's a really strong way for me to think about it. But I really like that because it's very integrative. Because it's not it's not like oh um, we use we use money and then once we give the money to someone then it's ministry because it's it starts before that. The whole, the whole mm-hmm. <laughs> generosity and sharing what God has given us, like that's a spiritual discipline in and of itself. Um, I, I don't think that fundraising is somehow just kind of a prequel to ministry or a prequel to something spiritual. It's, it's, <laughs> it's the story. The story starts with us and our hearts and what we're going to do with what God has given yeah. us. If you think about generosity as like the group project and the church project that we do together with other believers, it's also an individual project, right? Because we're going to have individual causes that we support. So there's another parallel with prayer because we would pray collectively in a church, and that's so important, and we pray on our own. The other parallels are that sometimes we give spontaneously like help, my neighbor's house burned down or there's some kind of, you know, there's a crisis. And so we would give spontaneously. We would be praying spontaneously. And also we give regularly and we pray regularly. So there's just so many parallels between the two. Like it's, that's really something that I've learned Mm. in digging through this over time. It's just how many connections there are between giving and prayer. Um, Yeah. They're, they're both spiritual disciplines and, there's, there's untold depths to both of them, really. I'm just a beginner. Wow. <laughs> That's like, a, I've never really considered it like that. Like, I feel like we just sort of, um, I've definitely had conversations about generosity and, and had like, you know, heard people speak about generosity in churches, but never like sort of into those, um, how it is as a practice or a theological principle or anything like that, which is really cool to see how you're kind of unpacking that. So, um, yeah, just teach us a little bit more about this. I'd love to hear some of your more thoughts and things that you probably talk about in the book. Um, I know that Jen mentioned like, you know, even just some of the like stats and some stuff we learned from scripture and then, um, also just some of your kind of thoughts and ideas on that. Okay. Well, let's start with something controversial, shall we? (laughs) You, yeah. <laughs> the, you've you doubtless heard this story of the widow's mite, um, where the widow puts her two copper coins into the treasury at the temple. And there's all kinds of interpretations of, of that story. And the one thing that I like to share, just to be, I don't know if controversial is the word I want, but I'll use it. 
is that whatever that story means, Jesus and his disciples were watching how much money people put in. They were watching, and then they're having a little chat about it. Mm. And when I share that, people are always like, oh. <laughs> because when we have this, when we have this code of silence around our giving, I don't think that is, that, that cuts the, like, then we don't have any teachable moments. If we can see it more like prayer, where, yes, there's going to be times when our prayer is very private and confidential and just about, you know, like it's not going to be widely shared. And there's also going to be times when we pray our hearts out, you know, in tears on our knees with a big bunch of people. And there's not, there's not one way that we're going to pray. God has given us lots of opportunities to pray. And the same thing is true with our giving. Like there's that, there's the other passages that we'll be talking about the left hand, the right hand, and there's a specific kind of giving. Like if we, it's talking about giving to the poor and it's not saying if you give to the poor, it's saying when, when you give to the poor, hmm. don't make a big deal out of it. Don't blow trumpets, you know, don't, that's the left hand, right hand thing. So for the, in this one kind of giving, we're getting some counsel about not being really showy about it. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't think that's a big risk for most of us. We don't, you know, unless you're posting a big reel on Instagram every time you give money to a homeless person. I, I don't think we're, <laughs> I'm just making that up for the cool kids. I don't post reels on Instagram, but if I did. <laughs> I love it. Um, the, so I don't, I don't think there's a risk for us of being too showy about our giving most of the time. I think the risk more is that we don't talk about it enough. I'm not saying that we, like that every aspect of our giving is going to be public, but when we do talk about generosity as, as part of our faith, as part of our discipleship, it's testimony to people around us. So when I did my doctor of ministry, I was able to tour, I call it my church basement tour. I, I've been in a lot of church basements, um, speaking to generous donors, mostly not just speaking, but listening to how they learn to be generous. And these are stories that are sacred, frankly. And it makes me sad sometimes that, that some random academic from Ontario who that they you know who asked him about this is a person who got to hear this story and not their congregation because it didn't the you know I, I think we put too much silence and secrecy around this. And I've heard the most amazing stories of people who said, you know, my husband, you know, I, we had just been married. It was like I'm just I'm embellishing here, but I'm putting the details on it. Say it was 1953 or something, and we were expecting our first baby. My husband had just been laid off, and there was the church was announcing a campaign. We were building a new building, and we prayed and we pledged to that campaign in faith because we trusted God. And the next day, my husband got a job, you know, at the Ford Motor Company or whatever it was. Like stories like that, that is the most powerful. That's a 10,000 stewardship sermons couldn't touch a story like that. So when we share how we learn to be generous and how generosity is part of our discipleship and part of our, our, our faith journey, it's just so amazing. It's such a gift to share. So I don't want silence and secrecy around money to 
sort of squeeze all the joy and life out of this discussion when when there is such joy and life to be to be found in generosity I'm curious if you could talk about the risk of having a theological gap in our in our generosity. Um, I think you talked about this a little bit beforehand um, with the group uh, from the Presbyterian Church. Um, but yeah, I think passages talking about God loves a hilarious giver, or God loves a cheerful giver. I remember when I was little remembering that in Sunday school. Um, but there's a disconnect of like, this is just something that you do. It's not part of my formation at all. Um, it's like something that I decide to do, not something that we decide to do. And there's different layers in that. Um, but yeah, when you look at scripture and maybe too, when you look at the cultural moment that we're, that we're in right now, what, what are some risks um, that you see when it comes to our theology of generosity? Oh, I think the biggest risk of our theology of generosity is that we don't want to have one. It's, <laughs> it's frankly quite a bit easier not to because money is, has a lot, it has a pretty powerful hold on us and there's a lot of voices a lot, a lot of voices asking for our money. And the church is reluctant to get into that conversation sometimes. So I I start with gratitude a lot because when we can be grateful, and I'm not talking about a like hashtag blessed me on a beach in a bikini kind of gra- kind of grateful because we can- <laughs> that's a powerful graphic for you. Um, because we aren't, you know, me sitting here in my house in the suburbs, God has not, does not love me more than someone whose circumstances are really bad. That's not how this works. So we have, we have to be careful there because God's grace, the fundamental gift of salvation and God's love for us, that has been given to everybody, which is so astonishing, isn't it? I mean, if you just even think about it, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling. So that is the fundamental gift that we've been given and we've also been given all sorts of other things every breath our life this day and it, and it doesn't mean that there isn't going to be really hard terrible awful things that happen that's that's still going to happen but god is when we share what we've been given and when we receive what we've been what other people have shared there's enough and that's that's hmm. It's so simple, but it's still really hard for me to wrap my head around. So, and I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to figure that one out. Mm. But when we share, there's enough. But what we're very tempted to do, at least what I'm very tempted to do, is to think that it's mine. To think that I've earned it, that I've worked very, very hard for it. Mine, mine, mine. Um, closed fist, just holding on really tight. And when we're scared... And it's, I mean, you only have to listen to the news for about half a second to be really scared. When we're scared, we hang on even tighter. Mm. And that's, I think that's a real danger to us because then we don't, then we don't share. And then we can't even receive well when we're just kind of hanging on in a moment of fear. We're just very isolated. So gratitude helps us, loosens our grip a little bit. So we can acknowledge what we what we've received from God, and maybe we, maybe you know if we can really let God into our lives more, maybe we can even unclench enough to share and to receive both of those things. Um, so generosity is—I mean—I think it saves our lives in that sense because it opens us up 
to giving, to receiving, and to relationships. Not just a relationship with God, which is the first thing, but relationships with other people. So it's, it's, it's kind of a big deal. I would say so. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like in all of it, it's like this posture of reminding that God is God and we are not. And growing an awareness of the things, like even just grow, growing an awareness of the things that we have and expressing that gratitude towards towards God, like the one who actually gave us all the things that we have. It's so easy to miss that. It's so easy to just go on in your day, do the to-do list, meet the people, come home, I don't know, watch reels, whatever, um, and continue on with your day and miss it. Um but yeah, as you're taught, it's just such a reminder that there's a richness that comes from all of this. It's not just generosity is here and my family is here and my community is here and my job is here. It's all it's all connected. Um, yeah. I wondered if you could talk a little bit more about your research. Like you've written a book. You've done a lot of school, um, a wise lady, a knowledgeable lady. <laughs> um, I just wondered if you could talk about what some... Um, some things that really stood out to you as you did your research and what were some things that were surprising to you as you sat down and heard people's stories and did research and all those things? Huh. The, the stories were the best part. And without exception, mm. without exception, faithful donors are grateful people. Uh, and, and not measured by, oh, they had a life of roses and, you know, easiness, but... Just deep, deep, deep gratitude for everything God has given them. And they see that. Like it's, um, this is my book too, um, based on what a donor told me of it. It's all God's stuff. And when you can see it as being God's stuff and you're not your stuff, then you don't hold on to it so tight and then you can share. So the stories were by far and away the best part. And, and I wrote my book, Peach Bloss, um, Growing a Generous Church. A year in the life of Peach Blossom Church, which is a pretty long title, because I want to be a good steward of the stories that people have entrusted to me. So I did my master's in theology and my doctor in ministry. Mm -hmm. So I had to do a boatload. Let's call it a boatload of academic writing, and <laughs> it's not the most accessible <laughs> thing for people. And so I wanted to. I wrote the book because I wanted to write it mm. in an accessible way. And I hear that word a lot. People say, "Oh, that was so accessible," because like it has illustrations. It's it's literally a, a, a church. It's made up, but it's not. It's not really made up, if you know what I mean. So it's a year in the life of a church. Like it has a chapter for each month, and each month month has a picture. So February was a man snow blowing snow from the church. That's what the illustration is. And they pray, they thank God that no one has fallen and broken a hip in the church parking lot because of the gracious service of the people who blow the snow. And I, I think it might be the only theology book that I'm aware of that does have an illustration of a snowblower. So I'm kind of proud of that. But I wanted, <laughs> I, <laughs> I hope that's not too prideful, but I wanted to make it engaging and accessible to people because the people who shared their stories with, were, with me were, I don't want to call them just ordinary folks. I mean, they were in the sense of maybe demographics or vocation or something like that, but they were extraordinarily generous folks. And I wanted to share those kind of share the stories back with them. And I wanted it to be something that, you know, the church treasurer in Cambridge or the, the person who blows the snow in Grand Prairie, Alberta would understand. And that's why 
it's it's like the, the word soteriology does not appear in the book. I mean, I could use big words if I want, but I don't. So I wanted to make it accessible and about stories, and <laughs> um, it has discussion questions so a congregation can go through it. Um, yeah, and then and that's that's why I really wanted to to share those stories back to the people who shared them with me, and that motivates what I do to a large extent because I really. It's, it's been deeply humbling mm-hmm. to recognize the generosity. I mean, that's why, that's why we're all here, right, in the church, is because of the generosity of the people who've gone before us. And I, I think we forget that a lot of the time. I forget that a lot of the time. Yeah, you don't even really think about that when you, uh, you know, just go to church to think about, like, I mean, maybe if you have a brand new church, it's you can see more of the what has all gone into it. But for a lot of churches that have been around for a long time, you don't realize like the the generations of generosity and service and relationship and prayer that have gone into being where we are now on, you know, say a Sunday morning service or whatever else they're doing. Um, yeah, those people that we don't even know who they are now, like some people might, but for the most part, they just sort of, God knows all right. It's the it cloud of witnesses from Hebrews twelve. Now. There's a really big, a really big group, and, mm-hmm. and a lot of them were, you know, the ladies who baked pies and had ham dinners and and did, you know, the fundraising that, and they didn't think of themselves probably as the cloud of witnesses. Mm-hmm. I hadn't really, I hadn't really thought of potato peelers in the cloud of witnesses, but isn't that great? <laughs> <laughs> that could be a book title too potato peelers and the cloud witnesses <laughs> hey there you go <laughs> um what would you say is at risk if we neglect sort of this this act of generosity this practice of generosity whether that's like intentionally like i you know that i am hanging on i just want i don't want to participate in this or just we don't necessarily understand or live into or or know the yeah Maybe not like an intentional, like, I'm not going to do this, but just kind of failing to remember or prioritize. I guess we don't leave enough room for God. I didn't think that was going to be my answer to that question. But it's it's letting there be more room for God, because when we let go of things and share, because God's economics are bizarre. They're not our economics. When we think of economics... (laughs) We think, oh, if I give this away, I have less. Or if the church budget is this and we give away to this cause, then we're not going to have enough to pay the light bill. In fact, God's generosity and God's economics are are just, like they make no sense really. Because God is saying that if you're generous, and I don't mean this as an extreme sport. So, I mean, anything can be taken too far. God says you, you can always afford to be generous. Like the example I used the other day is like, have you ever known someone who like make, makes casseroles for people are, who are ill, who ran out of macaroni? No. Like, could they, had the, did they always have enough groceries to make casseroles? Yes. No matter how many casseroles they made? Yeah. Isn't that funny? It's the widow of Zarephath, actually, if you think about it. Or if someone has the gift of encouragement and they pray a lot, did they ever like, I mean, yeah, we could, it could be a dark night of a soul or a depression, but like, did they were relying on God for that encouragement and that 
the source of that. Did they ever like run out? I'm thinking of someone at my church who's in their 90s who is a tremendous source of encouragement and his supply has not run dry yet. And that's, that's from God. It's not, so it's not like if we give more away that we're going to run out. Isn't that weird? But that's how God's economics works if we trust God that stuff doesn't run out, that there's enough. So I think that's what we miss out on if, if genero- by ignoring generosity is just this capacity to see God's really wacky economics, how much God loves us. Yeah, you've alluded to it throughout our conversation here, but I wonder how your view of God has changed through your personal practice of generosity throughout the years, both um, in the giving and receiving. I know less and less, but what I do know, I know with greater certainty. Um, So um, I I wouldn't say I was, I'm a big fan of Henry Nouwen. And just to being able to realize how much God loves us and God loves everyone and to trust into that. And that's the foundation for generosity because it's not from us. If we just kind of rely on the little bits of goodwill that we have in in us, that's not, that is going to run out. We have to lean on God as the source of our generosity and God's love for us. So, so I, I guess, honestly, the more I study this, the simpler the simpler I find it to be. I'm not, I'm not saying that that's actually easy. Simple and easy are very different. But, yeah, things that I would have put into different categories before, like um, fundraising as a category and prayer as a, you know, and there's, like, all these different categories of thing, and then mission is, like, the end result after, you know, some kind of process. I don't think like that anymore. I, I, I really think that... All of all of that God's love is expressed in a lot of ways. Mm. Yeah, so I don't, and I'm not. Eventually, like this is maybe I'll get there if I live long enough. But I'm also learning a little bit that it's not shameful to ask for what you need. How's that one for you guys? Not shameful to ask for what you need um, if we're in relationship with a loving God. That's what, like, mm. give us our daily bread. What is that? <laughs> so that's my, that's what I'm writing about right now, actually, mm. is the, mm. the give us our daily bread and knocking on the door. And so, yeah, there's, it's, I don't know, that's, I, that feels like a really long, rambly answer, but God loves us. And when we mm. can trust that, it makes the whole process of asking and sharing and giving quite a bit easier. Yeah, well, even like going back to that, oh, sorry, I was say going back to that like self-sufficient thing, you know, the idea of like, it's not shameful to ask for what you need, like that in our cultural moment is not how we do things. There's such a emphasis on like, you are your own person, you don't need anybody, you're strong, like the things that we accomplish are like, because we worked hard and like it's very much this idea of like you shouldn't ask people because you should just work hard and just do it and that kind of thing it's hard to sort of like go against the grain of what society says to say like you know before god and before others um to know that we actually live in a world where we need each other we live in a world where we need each other 
Absolutely. <laughs> and actually, I think there's a lot of hope in that because it takes all the pressure off us, right? Like we do mm. not have to be all the things. We collectively, when we when we share with each other, there's there's tremendous hope and joy in generosity. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah. Literally, when you say that, like you don't have to be all the things, it's like, <sighs> right. We don't have to be all the things, right? You're, it's it is a it's a it's good news, right? <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Yeah. So for people that, um, you know, hear this and, and are uh, sort of, I mean, maybe not for the first time, but maybe in a new lens, um, hearing a conversation about um, generosity as, you know, as prayer and relationship and a spiritual practice and all of these things, how would you encourage people to start if they have not made this a part of their life in the past? I've got a, a pr- pretty powerful little prayer that I would suggest, which is, Lord, help me to be generous. I mean, I, I, that comes with an asterisk because it's like praying for patience, like just like fasten your seatbelt. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Lord, help me to be generous and then find a cause that you love, that you care about and start there and just pick an amount that you can afford. And that's going to vary for everybody. Pick an amount that you can afford and try to make that a regular practice. Set it up as a, an automatic thing. And make it as important as your cell phone bill. And mm. and see what happens. Like see where God takes you with that. Like, um, that's what I would recommend. See what happens. It's I mean, it's just like starting to pray, right? And it's not something like it's as important as prayer. So we wouldn't say to someone, oh, well, you know what, you're, you're really busy right now with, you know, you're, you, you've got young kids. You can learn to pray later when you're retired, when you have more time. We, you learn to, we wouldn't say that. And so the same thing with generosity. Um, start now. Start with where you're at. It doesn't need to be a huge sum. But start there and then and see where it takes you. Build on it. Like, you know, it's so... Like same as prayer, like, okay, you can pray standing in line at the grocery store and maybe at a different point in your life, you're going to be able to pray longer or less. I mean, we don't know that, but start where you are and see what happens. Yeah. As you're sharing that, it brings me back to a story. Uh, I was at a, uh, the church where I grew up. It's an older congregation, but I was sharing about, um, yeah, like what God has been doing at Youth for Christ and whatever else. And there's a couple who... Um, who were just asking questions after, after the service. And, um, the, the husband said to me and they're like mid to late eighties, like their health is failing. Um, you know, like they, they've been through a lot. And I think currently like at that point he, um, was diagnosed with having cancer and whatnot, but just so generous, so at peace. And he said, you know what, Jen, like, we're not gonna, like, we can't go out and, um, spend time with the kids the way that you do and do all the things that you're doing, but we can pray for you and we can support you financially. And so that's what we're going to do. And I'm like, Oh my God, it was just another reminder that like, they are just as much a part of the work God is doing in this specific example in Listwell in these kids as, as I am such a reminder of like, Lord, help me to be generous and it's like, it blows your mind the things that, uh, the opportunities that come and also the great challenges that come because you're almost like, 
You like there's moments where you look at yourself in a mirror. It's like, oh, this is an ugly side of me. And this is a like, I don't know, just like holding on to control here. Like, I don't want to give up my money or time or whatever else. Like, I don't want to take the time to care for people. Well, it's like, what is that in me that God needs to kind of uproot and transform? Um, Mm. So as you say, a simple hard prayer, I'm like, oh, my goodness. (laughs) Hard but good, but like so much. It's it's simple, but it's not it's not easy to walk and live that out. Yeah, that's why we anyway, are. So those are my. Yeah, well, that's why we're in this together, okay. right? I mean, we don't it's a, we don't have to have it all figured out. I don't think we're. I, I don't see myself getting it all figured out on this side of the grave. I mean, I'll keep you posted, but I don't think we have to. <laughs> think we have to Mm. I think we just have to be loved by God and share that love around and forgive each other and forgive ourselves I don't know how forgiveness relates to Mm. generosity but that would be a really good thing to investigate too hmm Hmm. yeah interesting (laughs) so many different directions we could go with this (laughs) um well you already you already shared a little bit about your book but I just wanted to give you an opportunity to um yeah to share anything else about uh the book you've written and even too about the book that you are writing I don't I don't think I knew that you're writing a second book but um yeah just want to give you an opportunity to share about that well, if you if you buy enough copies for your church to have a book club, there's a discount. So I've, if you type my name into the website, you'll find you'll find it. Find my website, or you could go on to Amazon. I finally it took me a long time to figure out how to do that, but I can sell books on Amazon now. I can do hard things. So um, cool. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, I don't know what I want to say about that. I would encourage people. To read it and then to find what their story is, too, and to share that. Because it's testimony, mm-hmm. the testimony of of generous people, as I've already shared, but to, to find out what your own story is, too. <laughs> I was just going to ask um, if this is, like, you use the word accessible a lot. And, again, I've read in my research, I'm like, ooh, what are people saying about Aunt Lori's book? And people are so encouraging that that is, like, it meets people where they're at. Um, but would you say it's specifically geared towards people like church groups um, or church community meeting or small group? Or if there's some teenagers that wanted to actually learn about generosity, like, is it, yeah, does it, is it for everyone in those, all those contexts? Is it um, that it meets people there? It's, it's definitely written for people that are in a church. And I've, I mean, a lot of the characters are based on people that I've mm. met and will say, like, People will say, oh, yeah, that sounds like the dialogue even sounds right. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. So it's it's got study questions, right, baked into the book so that people could talk about it. Um, yeah, I, I hope that it appeals to a variety of people. I mean, I'm trying to think what would a 20-something say about it. The other resource I would point people to, especially for a younger demographic, is a, a friend of mine called Grace Pomroy, P-O-M-R-O-Y. She has a great blog that's specifically geared towards younger people and, and thinking about money. So she's a great resource too. So yeah, I read my book and if that, I hope that's great. And if, you know, there doesn't have to be one approach to this, so I would recommend her as well. Well, that's been, this has been fantastic. I think I'm going to have to order this book and read it. I think, um, yeah, just the different, I've, I've uh, definitely heard about generosity, but I think the thing that is sticking with me is the idea of 
relationship and how that intertwines itself in generosity. So I'll be thinking about that. Um, One last question before we end off that we like to ask all of our guests, and that is, what is the best piece of advice you've been given? Be kind to yourself and be kind to other people. Sometimes I'm kinder to other people than I am to myself, but that doesn't that doesn't ter- that doesn't work terribly well because if we're not kind to ourselves, then we're not we don't have the kind of the well to our wells dry. Yeah. So I guess another way of phrasing that, if you want to use a biblical anal- um, metaphor, would be keep some oil in your lamp. I heard a really good sermon about that a number of years ago, and that stuck with me along long time is to keep some oil in your lamp I know that goes that is a a counter narrative to some of what I'm talking about about sharing but I think it's I think it doesn't have to be an either or it can be a both and is that we have to have our ourself not are you familiar I'm going to refer to Henry now and again in the wounded healer where um it doesn't mean that we aren't going to have scars and hurts Mm. and all kinds of things but those need to be tended to before we can tend to other people well so, you know, keep some oil in your lamp, take care of yourself and, and love other people as best you can. That's a good word. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Laurie, thanks so much for joining us. This has been so fun. Again, I did not, I had no idea about Egypt. Like, so cool that that is where, yeah, like a huge moment in your life that God really used to shape and form you throughout the years. Um, but thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and chat with us. And I'd encourage people too, that, um, there are resources out there. Check out, um, Aunt Lori's blog, um, the book and, uh, yeah, let's grow in this together. But thanks so much, Aunt Lori, for joining us today. It's really fun. Oh, it's been great. A pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. There are more amazing conversations that you can find at Just Work Friends on Apple Podcasts. Oh no, I forget what to say. You're saying all the things just mixed up. (laughs) You can find more amazing conversations like this on Spotify or anywhere else you can find podcasts. Okay. Find us wherever you podcasts are found sure. podcasts are sold that's not it you can hear more amazing conversations like this where you re- <laughs> ah. wherever you find podcasts you can find us <laughs> I can't do this see ya bye I'm just gonna keep the whole thing in no <laughs> humbling moments <laughs>